It's a great honor and privilege today to welcome back to Mauriceville Assembly of God, Evangelist Creston Tomlin. Tom, Creston is going, is a man who will stand for what's true and declare it boldly. And that's what's needed in this day and this hour. Mag Church believes in the five-fold ministry. I hear a lot of preachers say they believe in the five-fold ministry, yet they never allow it to be used and operated in their churches. You can't be healthy, you can't be balanced, and you can't, and you can't move in everything God has for the body of Christ if you don't allow the working and moving and the use of, the, of all five-fold, of the five-fold ministry today. God's never changed his mind. He's never edited the book. Preacher Itis is from hell. I'll just throw that in there. <laughs> Y'all know what that is. God's using him all over the country. And today I'm thrilled to call him my friend and to welcome him one more time to Mauriceville Assembly of God. Help me welcome Creston Tomlin. Thank you, Pastor. What a privilege and honor it is to be in this great church with you. I told the worship team, the musicians yesterday, we had a kind of just a time of teaching and training and worshiping together and that I was so excited to be a part of what God is doing here in this church right now. It's so exciting to, to feel the forward movement of a church, this church, and what God is doing in you and preparing you to do. You should be jumping up and down that God has allowed you to be a part of this church in this season right now. Right now. Hallelujah. I love your pastor and his sweet wife and their family. I've respected and admired them for a number of years, but in the past year or so, I have just grown to so love and appreciate this man. One of the things that I love about J.R. Armstrong is he has guts. And that is something that we're in desperate need of right now. Is leadership, men of God, women of God. Who are willing to let the chips fall where they may without fear or favor. And say what needs to be said. And I love you and appreciate you. And believe that God is raising you up in this area and other places to be a voice to this part of the world and to other parts of the world about the truth of the Word of God. He's counted the cost. He's willing to say what God tells him to say. And I can't tell you what that means to me. So thankful for this opportunity to be able to bring the Word of God to you today. Thankful for how the Lord is opening doors for us across this nation. 
For an evangelist to be busy in 2023 is a miracle. And that is just the favor of God. And churches like this that believe, there's no church that I know of that is more supportive of the fivefold ministry gifting than Maurice Phyllis and of God on a regular basis. The Apostle Paul said it takes all five of the ministry gifts to bring the body to full maturity. And I'm so thankful and so humbled to be here this morning and tonight to declare the word of God. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. And then to 1 Peter chapter number 5. While you're turning to 2 Corinthians, just want to mention to you that our music is available. They have a if they'll put it up there, but there's a QR code there you can just get with your phone. That will take you to um, anywhere that our, our music is streamed, anywhere that music is streamed. From music today already has been a blessing to you. You can get that. It'll take you straight there, and they'll be available tonight as well. I encourage you to get a hold of that. I believe this music will be a tremendous encouragement, a blessing to your life. Second Corinthians chapter number 10, verse, beginning in verse number 3. But I want to preach for a few minutes this morning on this thought, the fight is on. The fight is on. Verse number 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, First Peter chapter number 5, verse number 8, a very familiar passage of Scripture the one we need to see again this morning. Be sober, be vigilant, vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for the privilege, Lord, the highest honor a person could have to be able to declare your word, your gospel, to this church this morning and believe, Lord, you're going to speak to young people. You're going to speak to adults. You're going to speak to us all. I pray, Lord, you would help me. I humble myself before you, Lord, to be able to say the things you put on my heart to say. Give me strength. Give me your touch. Give me, Lord, the ability I do not have in myself on my best day. I need your anointing. I need your ability to make me effective. I love you and I praise you. Lord, we're ready for you to get the glory for doing something awesome in this house today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. I want to preach for a few minutes. The fight is on for our families. The fight is on for our faith. And the fight is on for our function. Number one, the fight is on for our families. The enemy of our soul has declared an all-out assault against the family. 
He fights dirty and all he is interested in is total destruction. He is working overtime to drive a wedge between husbands and wives, parents and children, brothers and sisters. Families that at one time have been close, have been splintered and torn apart by the lies and deception of the enemy. In John chapter 10 verse 10, Jesus clearly lays out the plan of our adversary to steal, kill, and destroy. In fact, Jesus says that Satan's only objective is to destroy. He's not just interested in getting in our way. He's not just interested in playing games with us. But what he is interested in doing is using everything in his arsenal to bring complete and total destruction and ruin the lives of people. He wants to steal the very children we have dedicated to the Lord. And I want to take a moment and admonish and encourage and speak to our students this morning. The enemy, your adversary, wants to use two primary things to keep you from the will of God and to destroy your life. The first is he wants to send the wrong people into your life to divert you, to distract you, to pull you away and get your eyes off of Jesus. Young ladies, there is a young man, and I emphasize, young ladies, there is a young man that God made for you. You probably haven't met them yet, but they're out there. They were designed for you. And, but the enemy wants to bring the wrong young man into your life. He wants to push the wrong person. In fact, he's even trying, young ladies, to bring the wrong young lady into your, many of your lives. But he's wanting to distract you. He's wanting to, you to get your eyes on a person that's not God's will for you, that is not sold out to the Lord Jesus. He wants to pull your focus away from the reason you were born. Every one of you, the Bible says, before you were knit together in your mother's womb that God knew you. And there is a person, young ladies, there's a young man that God made for you. Young men, there's a young lady that God has made for you. And let me tell you, you don't want the wrong person. It is better to be single your whole life than to marry and get unequally yoked with the wrong person. And I know how it is. I was raised in a small town, and a lot of times it felt like slim pickings. That there wasn't much out there, but you just weren't seeing them. They just weren't coming into the picture. And we're tempted to get in a hurry and just kind of take whatever comes along because we feel that life will pass us by. But I say again, you do not want to get in a hurry and just take whoever's there. It can cost you God's will for your life, His purpose for your life, His call upon your life. That's the first thing he tries to do is to send the wrong person into your life to get your attention to pull you away. The second thing he wants to do is to give you an opportunity to do something that involves your gifting outside of the house of bread. We read in the book of you, in the book of Ruth, about that man named Elimelech who, when it's interesting, most of you know Bethlehem means the house of bread. But a famine came to the house of bread in Bethlehem, and Elimelech moved his family to Moab to escape the famine. And I'm sure that Elimelech thought, we'll just be away for a, just a short amount of time until the famine is over, and then we'll come back to Bethlehem. But the Bible says they stayed 10 years. And that's exactly what happens 
when the world, and it's, if it's not happened yet, it will come. Every one of you, young people in this room, have giftings that God placed in your life to be used for His glory and only His glory. But the enemy of your soul wants to identify those giftings and he wants to spin it and put the right opportunity in front of you outside of the will of God for your life, outside of the kingdom of God for those to be used. And most of the times it comes in the form of a lot of money. And I, I know what that's like. I know I don't look like much this morning, but at one time I had curly, wavy hair and a bunch of it. Precious memories. <laughs> when I was 19 years old, a major record label executive came to the college where I was, and it's very unusual because usually they contact you and want you to come to them, but they came to me. And uh, they found out where I was, and someone had given them a, uh, and, and I went to college in the Branson area, and someone there in the music industry gave them a, a, a copy of something that I sang and a, a picture of me at that time. And so they came and sought me out, and he wanted to meet with me. And I sat across a table with two chairs there, and this major rec record label, label executive said, Creston, your life is going to change forever today because I'm about to offer you something that rarely happens in people's lives. You're going to be a very wealthy young man in a matter of days. And he pushed across the table a contract with a, at that, a check paperclip to the top that had more zeros on it than I'd ever seen in my life. And that was just the signing bonus for signing with this major record company. And he said, what we want you to do, he said, I know you're a gospel singer. You sing your Jesus songs. But what we want you to do, he said, it's nothing bad, nothing off color. We want to pay you a lot of money and pay for a major recording for you to sing easy listening pop love songs. He said, you can still sing your Jesus songs and you can do this too. And I knew immediately this isn't for me. This wasn't what I was born to do. And I looked at that man across the table and I said, sir, I'm very flattered, very honored that you would seek me out, but I'm sorry that you wasted your time. Because when I was 14 years old, I promised Jesus I'd never use any gifting he gave me for anyone but him. And I cannot go back on my word. And I pushed that contract across the table. And he said, you're the only person I've ever talked to in 30 years that's ever turned me down. And I said, sir, I want you to know something. And I don't mean this disrespectful, but the world's sloppy seconds can never compare to the blessing and the favor of God. And young people, I want you to know something. The offer will come understand what the enemy's trying to do to rip our families apart. He's trying to separate our children from us. And he wants to offer you something that'll pull you away from what God, or what you were born to do, the reason you were made to get up in the morning. Whatever you do, say no to the offer of the world and yes to the plan and the will of God for your life because I wish I could just preach this morning on the blessing and the favor of God that's been on my life. You can't buy his favor. You can't you can't buy his anointing. You can't buy his blessing, but it comes with a life of consecration and obedience. First Peter 5 told us he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. By faith Noah, being warned of God, moved with fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his house by which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is by faith. 
Do you realize, sir, do you realize mom and dad, do you realize grandma and grandpa today that what you have built and what you're building in your home is a haven. It is an ark of safety and protection from the world. And what you're doing and how you're building that house will make the difference in your children's lives. By in it building that house in fear unto God and the decisions that you're making to keep the spirit of the world out of that ark, you will save your family and thereby you will condemn the spirit of this world, the direction of this world, and become the heir of righteousness by the faith that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm asking you today, what's going on in your house? What are you watching? What are you approving of? What is happening there? Because when you look at the story of Noah, after all of his preaching, the eight most important people in his life got on that ark. His family. Our parents and our young people are facing, our pastor did such a great job in Sunday school time, training, teaching time this morning, and he made a statement that What's always been in the world has always been in the world, and that is the truth. But because of technology, it has exploded in our face. And we're living in this culture of the normalization of homosexuality and transgenderism. If you would, put that picture up there, if you would, of, of Bruce Jenner. This is the Olympian. This is the athlete. This is the man he was born to be. Now put that second picture up there. That is who we know as Caitlyn Jenner, but it's really Bruce Jenner. Through deception of the enemy and the lies of the enemy, deceiving and destroying by that lie claiming that now he is female. Let me speak to homosexuality this morning. And I want everybody that's watching me by Facebook Live to listen to me very closely. I don't believe it's an accident anybody is watching this morning. You need to, you have to understand, mom and dad, that you, your wife, sir, you, your wife, your children, you are a living representation of God's master salvation plan to the world. That's why Satan hates your family. It's because he wants to ruin the picture of God's master salvation plan. Ever since Satan was excommunicated from heaven, his goal has been to throw shade and take the focus off of the Lord Jesus. So homosexuality, what he has done through this lie is he has presented to the world another picture of love to remove the focus off of God's living picture of his master salvation plan to something else, and in doing so, bringing deception. Understand, homosexuality is a spirit. It is a spirit from hell. And most of the time, that spirit is wooing those who have been disenfranchised, who have been rejected, who have been pushed away, who have found inclusion in this group of people. And when Satan woos and Satan draws, he uses the 
the flesh being gratified as the candy to pull them in to being accepted and then through this lifestyle that is a lie, complete lie, he ruins your physical body while on the way to destroying your spirit. You listen to me, everyone watching by Facebook Live, everyone in this room. There is a better way. Anybody in this room that is being tempted by the lie of homosexuality, and if the numbers are correct, there are at least five or six people in this room that are currently being tempted or currently being wooed by the enemy in that direction. It comes to pull people away from the Lord Jesus for the purpose of destroying your life. It's the enemy's goal in ruining that picture of God's master salvation plan. You're not really finding life. You're not really finding a reason to live. You're being deceived, being pulled into Satan's lair, and he is using you as a pawn to push his wickedness while in the process destroying your life, chewing you up, and he's planning to spit you out. But you hear this preacher, there's a better way. There's a way that seems right unto man. There's a way that seems right when our flesh is being gratified. There's a way that can seem right when we're being accepted. But in it is the lie of the enemy. But there's a Savior whose name is Jesus. And he's speaking life to you this morning. And he says to you, if you'll hear the gospel, if you'll hear the words of life, you can really live. There's life more abundant for you. There's peace from your troubled soul. There's freedom from the sin that has you bound. There's a reason to get up in the morning. You can find and know your purpose if you'll hear this gospel preacher today and turn from that lifestyle and call upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He will hear you. A picture of Bruce Jenner. You see, the normalization, they're saying that it's very normal for that to happen. But it's normal to say, well, I was born a man, but I want to be a woman. What is that all about? The book of James chapter 3 makes it very clear that out of confusion comes every evil work. And you will notice in the past two to three years in particular, we have had a firestorm of confusion that has come upon our nation, upon our world, that is trying to normalize absolute ridiculousness. Why? It's, it is powered by hell itself in order to deceive, in order for these young people on this front row, on the second row, and scattered throughout this congregation to see this as normal, to get accustomed to this, to get used to this. He's after your family, sir. He's after your family, man. He's after your life. He wants to use your lives to destroy you for the purpose of his wickedness. To refuse, refuse today to let the enemy use you for his purposes. That picture up there, if you would, of the reading hour. This is being promoted all across the nation. You can look at that and see the devil. The drag queen reading hour at the local library. And this is normal. 
Anybody with half a brain cell can look at that and see that it's abnormal. This is what you're facing, mom and dad. This is what the enemy's trying to do to tear your family apart. Whoever believed we would live in a culture with 72 different gender identifications? Whoever believed we would live in a culture that we're having congressional meetings and people are appearing before Congress trying to figure out how to handle all the nomenclature? On June the 30th, this past summer, Chief Justice Ketanji Brown Jackson was asked by Senator Marsha Blackburn to define what a woman is. Her response was, I'm not a biologist. We see how the enemy, Satan, waters down truth. If we can't define what a woman is, then there's no male or female. If there's no male or female, there's no absolutes. If there are no absolutes, there's no right or wrong. Anything goes, whatever, however you want to be, whatever gender you want to be. And through transgenderism, the enemy and most of these people have tried everything else in the world to find happiness. So in the extremism of confusion, they mutilate their body and change who God made them to be. In the process, the enemy even pouring on more confusion and destroying their lives. Tucker Carlson recently talked about the Trevor Project, a suicide prevention nonprofit that says in 2021, we don't have the numbers from 22 yet, but 40% of LGBTQ youth aged 10 to 24 considered suicide. And this is something, transgenderism is something that our government and our culture is promoting at the highest levels. They're shouting it from the housetop. If it's so wonderful, why are 40% of those involved in it considering taking their own life? Because it's powered by hell itself. It's the plan of the enemy to ruin and bring death and take people to hell for eternity. On October 14th this fall, Virginia lawmaker Elizabeth Guzman introduced, introduced a bill to the Virginia legislature that will change, that will charge parents with child abuse if they do not affirm their child's gender choice and support their gender reassignment surgery. To be silent is consent. Ignorance is not bliss. The attack upon marriage in this culture the separation of children from their parents, the use of technology primarily through that little gadget we call the cell phone, we've all got one, has been a, a tool in the, in the enemy's hand. I'm not preaching against cell phones. I believe they're necessary. But mom and dad, you better put limits. You better know what's going on. You better know who's talking to them and who they're talking to. You better have rules, tight rules and regulations about that phone and know and understand everything that's going on. Because there are people out there that want your children. This is a fatherless generation. Let me tell you, we can blame Joe Biden. We can blame Congress. We can blame all of the things that we're looking at today that are real. But the real problem in this nation is a lack of fathers. 
It's a lack of leadership in the home. A lack of guts. You, anywhere that you go, you will see young men 18 to 25 years old walking around all day long with nothing to do. In the summer months, they're everywhere. they got their shirt over on, on their shoulder just walking around, and they've gotten real good at making babies, but they're no good at being fathers. Why? Because they've never had anyone invest in their life. We're, we're looking at a generation today, not only of entitlement mentality, their parents had enough work ethic to keep their head above water, but there was no father in the home, there was no leadership, there was no mentorship, and we have a generation of young men who don't know the difference between a Phillips screwdriver and a hammer because nobody has ever taken the time to invest in them or show them anything or teach them anything. And the men of Mauriceville Assembly, I'm, I'm crying out to you today. We're going to have to get involved in the lives of young men in our world, in our town, in our culture, and begin to walk and begin to walk before them the walk that, that shows them how to live for God, that teaches them a work ethic, that shows them what to do, because this is a fatherless generation. We're trying to reach a generation that failure is default mode. This generation, many of them, they're, they're like a, a person who's been in prison for years and years and years, has become institutionalized, and they're released from prison, but they're more comfortable in prison than they are in the real world, and most of the time end up going back because while, they were, while the walls, they couldn't get used to being in, incarcerated for a while, but then they learned to lean on those walls and became very comfortable inside those walls and razor wire. We're trying to reach a generation that's become accustomed to failure, and even though they know that the drugs and the perversion and the sex and the life that they're living is destroying their life. It's familiar to them. So they keep going back to default to familiar even though they know it's ruining them. But we've got to get involved in the lives of people in this culture, in our town, and show them and lead them to the Lord Jesus. And walk with people. Walk with people. Mom and Dad, we gotta, we got to put up a no trespassing sign on our children. Every single morning when I'm home, when I'm not there, my sweet wife Bridget does it. I lay hands on my girls every single day, or she does, and I declare no trespassing on these hearts, no trespassing on these minds. That Satan, you can't get one blade, you can't have one blade of grass in my yard, you can't have my car, you can't have my dog, you can't have one of my horses. I declare and plead the blood of Jesus over everything that I have and those precious girls that he is not welcome there. In the book of Exodus, chapter number 12, most of you know the account of when the death angel came, the final plague that came from God. And the Lord told his people, I'm going to place a difference between you and everybody else. You're going to take a hyssop branch, you're going to dip it in that blood, and you're going to put it on both sides of the doorpost and the top of the door of your house, and you're going to get in the house, and you're going to stay there until the next morning. You're not going to go in and come out and check things out. You're going to get in the house, and you're going to stay in the house. In the name of Jesus, I speak to this church house today. we got to get in the house and stay in the house. This revolving door stuff has got to go. This living right for a while and quitting for a while has got to stop. This obeying the Word of God for a while and doing our own thing for a while has got to stop. We've got to get in the house and stay in the house where there's protection and favor and blessing and we're not coming out to the trumpet sounds. Hallelujah. 
Second of all, go to hurry. There's a fight for our faith. The last three years have been unlike anything this generation has ever experienced. This pandemic that we went through, it shook our world, but more importantly, it shook the church to its core. These recent days have been extremely revealing to the true condition of God's people. Circumstances like what we have walked through are the litmus test of real faith. Having true faith does not mean that we won't have moments where fear comes and tries to attach itself to us. That can happen to anyone. But what it means is that when those moments come, we refuse to allow it to stay and change the object of our faith. Jesus, our never-changing conqueror, is the object of our faith. We know in whom we have believed and are persuaded. He's going to keep that which we've committed unto him against that day. There is a fight, a war raging for our faith. We found that we were good at listening to preaching and teaching and good at critiquing it, but very poor at applying it. And this, the pandemic brought out the reality that the church had enough faith to survive, but in most cases, not enough faith to overcome. It showed us that we were in survival mode, that we were playing defense instead of offense. So therefore, we began to look at what we really believe. It shook us to our core. And people that have believed this book all of their life and lived by it begin to question whether or not the things in this book are true. It causes us to question Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. It causes us to question, I ask you, do you still believe, Matthew 18, 18 and 19, that whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Matthew chapter 10, it says Jesus called the 12 disciples to go heal the sick, cleanse the leper, leper, raise the dead, and cast out devils. We have read these verses, preached these verses, taught these verses, talked about these verses, but now it is time to live these verses. We are lethargic because our faith became lethargic. And the reason that much of the church is not crossed over to having faith to overcome is because we have not been delivered from the fear of death. It is the fear of death that has the American church hobble-trained. Put up that picture for me if you would. Hobble-trained. Anybody that knows anything about training horses understands what hobbles are. You put hobbles on a horse to keep them put. Now, if they really want to try to run off, they can, they can do this. They're not going to get very far. They're going to get tired of that pretty quick. But after hobbling them a few short times, they'll quit trying to run off at all and they'll just stay right where they're at. And they can put their head down and eat grass, but they're not going anywhere. In the past three years, Satan has tried to hobble train the church. He's tried to get us accustomed to just staying right where we're at. And being happy, not using our faith, and not having full belief in the Word of God. We can put our head down and eat grass. We can, we can move a few feet and step away a little bit here, step away a little bit over here. But we're not going to be a threat to the kingdom of darkness. That's what the enemy has tried to do to the church. 
You hear me? A, a horse cannot be a horse when he's hobbled. A horse can be a horse when he's set free to run and do what he was born to do. You hear me today, Marsville Assembly? The church, this church was not meant to be hobbled. You were not meant to stay put with your head down just eating grass and being happy with just a few blades here and there and not being a threat to the kingdom. The reason why this church is growing, the reason why God is moving here, the reason why God is adding souls is because your pastor has had the guts to not focus on church growth but focus on the book and preaching the truth and God is adding to the church and bringing souls into the church. He's adding to the church daily. You were meant to run. You were meant to be hobbled. We were meant to go. We were meant to soar for the kingdom of God. Do you still believe what you've always believed? Do you still believe that every word of this book is true? Do you still believe we're the head and not the tail? Do you still believe we have power over every opposing force of darkness? Yes. Our faith. Our faith is... We're going to fight for our faith. I want to ask you, where are the Moseses who will tell Pharaoh to let God's people go? Where are the Shadrachs, Meshach, and Abednegoes who will say our God is able to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we're never going to bow to your God? Where are the Daniels who will open the windows and when told they can't pray, open the windows three times a day and pray anyway, and when taken to the, to the den of lions, go all the while believing that God is going to make a way and free them and get them out of the circumstance? Where are the Joshua's who will cross the Jordan at the command of God and take hold of his promises and march around Jericho with a shout of victory and take the city? Where are the Elijah's who can take on the prophets of Baal and pray down fire from heaven? Where are the Nehemiah's who will take a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other, having to work a little bit and fight a little bit? And when Sanballat and Tobiah come and try to talk you off the wall, you say, I don't even have time to give you any moment of my time. I'm doing a good work. I'm staying on this wall. I want to do the will of God. You might as well get out of my face because I'm never, ever, ever coming down. Where are the Elijahs? Where are they today? Where are the Josiahs who, can, who, who say that I know my grandfather and my father were pagans and all I've ever known is idol worship and darkness? People in this room who said my father, my, my grandfather was an alcoholic. Everybody in my family lineage has been alcoholics and drug addicts. But it's going to change with you because when you got saved, you got a blood transfusion. And the DNA of heaven got deposited in you when you got born again. And from now, from your generation on, can have the blessing and the favor and the goodness of God shining in your life. Where are you this morning? Where are the Peter and Johns who look the high counsel and the high priest in the eye and say it's by the power of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that this lame man was made whole. And there's only one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And you can judge whether or not you think it's right or wrong, but we're never going to shut up about what we've seen and what we've heard. We're going to preach Jesus. We're going to teach Jesus. In every house, the book of Acts says, everywhere they went, they declared the name of Jesus. Every time they had the microphone, they declared the name of Jesus. Where are you this morning? Are you a part of that church. I'm a soldier in the army of my God. 
The Lord Jesus Christ is my commanding officer. The Holy Scripture is my code of conduct. Faith, prayer, and the Word are my weapons of warfare. I have been taught by the Holy Spirit, trained by experience, tried by adversity, and tested by fire. I'm a volunteer in this army, and I'm enlisted for eternity. I will not get out, sell out, be talked out, or pushed out. I am faithful, reliable, capable, and dependable. If my God needs me, I'm there. I'm a soldier. I'm not a baby. I don't need to be pampered, petted, primed up, pumped up, picked up, or pepped up. I'm a soldier. No one has to call me, remind me, write me, visit me, entice me, or lure me. I'm a soldier. I'm not a wimp. I'm in place saluting my king, obeying his orders, praising his name, and building his kingdom. No one has to send me flowers, gifts, food, cards, candy, bake me cookies, or give me a handout. I don't have to be cuddled, cradled, cared for, or catered to because I am committed. I cannot have my feelings hurt bad enough to turn me around. I cannot be discouraged enough to turn me aside. I cannot lose enough to cause me to quit. When Jesus called me into this army, I had nothing. So if I end up with nothing, I will still come out ahead. I will win. My God has and will always supply all of my need. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm praising his name. I'm building his kingdom. I will always triumph. I can do all things through Christ. The devil cannot defeat me. People cannot disillusion me. Weather cannot weary me. Sickness cannot stop me. Battles cannot beat me. Money cannot buy me. Governments cannot silence me. And hell cannot handle me. I'm a soldier. Even death can never destroy me. I'm talking to some soldiers today. It's time to pull our bootstraps. It's time to get our uniform on and get ready to march in the power and the victory and anointing of the Holy Ghost himself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Will you give me five minutes? I was going to take it anyway. Thank you. You don't want to miss tonight. We're going to have a time tonight. Just let me attach this to that. I'm talking about faith. The fight is on for our finances too. And I know that this church is generous. I know that you're heavily involved in, in your heart is connected to missions all over the world and across this country. And I know that you give sacrificially, many of you. But maybe I'm talking to somebody who's still not sold out with your finances to the Lord. If it's ever true, it's true right now. You do not want to live in this hour without your finances being lined up with the Word of God and being a storehouse tither and a giver to missions. This is no time to not be hooked up in the kingdom of God with your money. And if you have yet to begun the discipline of tithing, it's Christianity 101. And you can say, you, anybody, you can say you have faith. But if you can't trust, if you can trust God with your salvation, but you can't trust Him with your money, something wrong. You can trust Him for the greatest miracle of all, but you can't trust Him with your money. You haven't moved into the place of truly trusting God. The fight is on for your finances. Your finances need to be in the kingdom. And let me tell you, your finances need to be hooked up in Marysville Assembly of God. He didn't tell me to save it. I'm just telling you, this is the place where you want to be placing your money. It's a place that's moving forward in the kingdom, and you're going to get a return on your money. Let me tell you. Because the blessing of God, the, the devourer is going to be rebuked for your sake, and the blessing and favor of God is going to be on your finances. Tithing and giving breaks the bond of poverty. 
And I, I just feel it for anybody in this room that was raised with a poverty mentality, becoming a tither and a giver will break the back of poverty in your life. That's a good word. And number three, the fight is on for our function. A few months ago, I was spending some time praying. I'm very careful to share this because so many people are running around the country saying, God told me this and God told me that, and you hadn't told them anything. And by the way, there's lots of false prophets being exposed right now. The Lord's allowing it. Just let me say, if you say God told me something, you better know God told you. This wasn't so much something God told me, but something I saw in my, in my spirit. I, I saw a very large sanctuary, probably twice as wide as this, about three times as, as long. It was completely empty. There was one large glass window in the back and one entrance. There was a pastor, a preacher, preaching with all of his heart, preaching a very simple gospel message on the platform. And all of a sudden, as far as you can see, ambulances begin to line up. And one by one, they stopped outside that one door, and they began to unload people on stretchers, stretcher beds, and they rolled them inside. And they begin on my left, your right, against the wall, and, it, and they placed in one by one by one, ambulance came emptied a person out, and they lined them up until that entire sanctuary was completely full of lifeless bodies. All the while this is going on, that man is still preaching. Preaching to bodies that are not hearing. Then they went out back outside, and each person, each ambulance driver, then brought in a life support machine and plugged every person on those stretcher beds into life support. And then when they got that task finished, they then went out and brought in a chain net, a net of chain, and covered each of those people. They covered them in chain nets and padlocked them on life support on a stretcher bed. And the Holy Spirit began to speak to me and say, through COVID, the enemy of your soul has tried to place the church on life support and lock them in. I didn't preach it today, but it inspired a message I just called breaking out of the COVID coma. But the enemy wanted to place the church, padlock us in a coma. When a person is in a coma, they have all the signs of, of being dead, but they're alive. What were the classic symptoms of COVID? Loss of taste, loss of smell. Through COVID, the, the, the enemy, the church, much of the church lost its smell for the aroma of the presence of God. They lost the taste for the supernatural. I'm speaking to the church today. I'm speaking to you, Maurice Philosophy of God. We must refuse to be on a gurney chained to life support. This is our time. The enemy has tried to hinder our function. We're in a fight for our function. And thank God there's a church down here in South Texas where these, in this golden triangle area that's functioning in truth, that's functioning in power, that's flowing in the anointing of the Holy Ghost. This is your time. This is our moment. 
But we still don't have everybody on board yet. What are you waiting on? Are you happy with being on a, on a stretcher bed chained to life support? It's time to come off of that bed in the name of Jesus. It's time to get up and say, I refuse to be on life support. I'm going to be in the middle of what God is doing in this moment. It's a desire of our enemy for the church to hide out in the cave. It's the design of the enemy to, for him to take our voice and us be quiet and be silenced about preaching the gospel and just preaching pablum and, and uh, to be preaching uh, things that are just surface level. Platitudes. Platitudes of being good people. Platitudes of basic living. Platitudes that are all right, I guess, in helping somebody become a better person. But you and I both know the only thing that can change a man is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. we still got churches that haven't opened yet. We've got some that are still using COVID as an excuse hindered and limited in their function. It's time to stop grappling and complaining and embrace our function in this moment. You and I, I said it yesterday to this group of worshipers that we get to be here right now in this time preaching the gospel. They get to be up here leading worship to a world and to a people that need to be brought in the presence of God. We're on the cusp of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ and we are the generation that gets to be here. We don't have to be here. I get to be here. Now we're a lot of preachers still griping and complaining about the challenges. Let me tell you, there's always been challenges. There are always going to be challenges. It's just, that's never going to stop. But you and I have the answer. We get to declare it from the rooftop. There is a Savior whose name is Jesus. There's a healer whose name is Jesus. There's a man that can deliver you and change your life whose name is Jesus. We've got the answer. What a privilege it is to be here right now in the midst of this chaos of this mess with the name above all names to bring peace and to bring deliverance. We are the vehicle, Mauriceville, by which the gospel is preached and declared. We exist for the declaration of the gospel. We exist for the worship of God. And by the way, there is only one God existing in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. We exist to be an army of prayer warriors. To break through to victory against the prince of the power of the air and sever strongholds of the enemy. We exist to be a conduit of Pentecostal power. To produce and display a reality that we have gained access to a supernatural force that enables us to be bold, unashamed witnesses of the transforming power of Jesus. We exist to lay hands upon and stand in faith for healing and miracles of all kinds and to point this world to Jesus. Our function is to display the reality of Jesus Christ to this world in power. In power. In power. In demonstration. The Apostle Paul so when I came to you, I didn't come with enticing words of man's wisdom or to impress you. I came in demonstration. That word demonstration literally means scientific demonstration. 
And what Paul was saying was, these Greek people that I'm preaching to can't get enough of oratory. They were, they were nuts over public speaking. And they were, they were such, a, such a discriminating audience that if you made a mistake in your speaking, they would stand up and publicly correct you. How do you know God knew what he was doing? Sending a Jew's Jew, sending the brilliant mind of Paul to speak to those people. But Paul said, when I got there, I didn't focus on impressing them with my mind. I preached Jesus and him crucified. And while I was preaching Jesus and him crucified, God gave a scientific demonstration in front of the eyes of those people that proved who Jesus was. Oh God, we cry out to you today. Let there be a demonstration of your power in the eyes of those around us that will see and know and believe. Oh Lord Jesus, stand with me. Stand with me. Worship team, come on. Thank you for letting me preach my heart to you this morning. Lift your hands with me across this house. Hallelujah. Well, we're unashamed of you, Jesus. We're unashamed of you, Lord. We're unashamed of you, Savior. You're all we've got. All of our eggs are in the basket of who you are. Fight is on for our families. There's people in this room today, your faith has been low. Your, your faith has been reduced because of things you've gone through and things you've had to deal with. And you just, your faith has been weak. But today in the name of Jesus, your faith is going to be regained in strength. Some of us who haven't been functioning like we need to with all the pistons firing it can be restored today to full function. First of all, I'm going to ask you across this room, would there be anybody here that says, Creston, there's sin in my life. I'm away from God. I'm not where I need to be. I've been living for myself, trying to do life on my own, and I'm failing. And I'm trying to keep my head above water. There's a Savior who loves you today. He wants to save you. He wants to pick you up. Anybody that says, I need to give my life to Jesus Christ today, and I'm unashamed to make him my Lord, I want you to lift your hand and say, that's me. Don't be ashamed. Say, that's where I'm at. I see a young man. Somebody else say, that's where I'm at. I need to, I need to make Jesus my Savior. I, I'm drawn. It's, it's not this preacher. It's the Holy Spirit. It's pulling you to Jesus. Anybody else lifting your hand saying, that's me? You lifted your hand. Just step out in the aisle and come. I want you to come and stand here in the altar. We're going. To, if you were lifting, we're going to pray together. The reason why we ask you to make a step to the altar is if we can do that in here in front of people, we're going to help us live it in the real world. Telling the Lord I'm serious about this decision. Hallelujah. I have come on, someone come and stand with my my friend here today. How many people in this room say, Creston, my family's been under attack. The enemy's been trying to destroy my family. He's been bringing his lies against my children. He's been trying to split our home up. We've had strife and dissension in our house, and I know it's the devil. He's behind it. But today, in the name of Jesus, I refuse to lose this fight, and I'm going to stand, and we're going to win. I want to see your hands. We've all been there. So the enemy's coming against my home in a powerful way. Look all across this house. Come on, step out of your seats and come here to this altar. 
Come now, we're going to pray. We're going to believe God. We're going to stand on the word. Your family to be restored. Your family to be put back together. The attack of the enemy upon your mind and the lies of the enemy to come between you and your spouse, to between you and your children. I may be talking to moms and dads today who don't even know where your children are or the relationship with your children has been severed because of decisions and sin, but today you want to stand in the gap for recovery of your home. I want you to come today. The Lord's going to see it and the Lord's going to work on your behalf and your favor. How many people today say, Creston, my, I've been in a war for my faith. You nailed it. My faith has just been weak. And because of what I've gone through, or sickness in your body, or circumstances in your family, but today you're like Mark chapter 9, where the man said, I took them to your disciples. They couldn't do anything. And my demon-possessed son, and Jesus said, do you believe? He said, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. You say, I'm having struggle believing my faith is weak, but in the name of Jesus, I, the Lord's going to help you believe. Come on. You say, my faith has been affected. Come on, step from your seat. Don't be ashamed. And come to this altar. We need a restoral of our faith today to believe this book. But its promises apply to me. But its truth applies to me. Yeah, come on. We're going to begin to pray for these in a moment. How many people more at Murraysville Assembly? You say, Creston, I, my desire is for me personally in this church to operate in full function in the Holy Ghost. That should be everybody in this room. I want it full capacity. I want it 100%. I want a function. And I want this church to be in complete unity and functioning in the Spirit. Come on, I want you to lift your hands. If you can come, come into this altar. We're going to believe God. We're going to stand together. Hallelujah. We're not going to lay on some gurney chain to life support. We refuse to be lifeless. We refuse to stay in the devil's funeral home. The prince of life has come to speak life. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah.